Good morning. If you could please turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. And uh, I walked out of the house today without my notes, which I, I have them on my my phone, so I'll be using those perhaps uh, throughout this lesson, um, but that should be okay. Again, I want to say that I'm thankful to be here with all of you. I know that there's a lot of other things that we could be doing right now. There's a lot of other things that people are doing, but I am convinced that what we do today may impact eternity. There might be eternal consequences by what we learn about in this room this morning. And I'm thankful that you made the decision to come here. We, I'm sad to see some of our members that are sick. I'm very thankful to see Justin here, You're our honored guest. Um, I'm excited to, to study 1 Corinthians 15. So, before we read, I just want to read verses 3 and 4. Actually, let's start verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. But let me give a short introduction to 1 Corinthians as a letter. The book of 1 Corinthians is an answer to a lot of problems. The church at Corinth was disunified. There were people following Paul, people following Apollos, people following Christ. There was a man living with his father's mother. There were some people who were going on about their own spiritual gifts, that they could speak in tongues, and they, they were very prideful. There were actually some who believed there was no resurrection from the dead. If you look in verse, in verse 12, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, Now, if, if Christ is preached and has been raised from the dead... How do some among you say there is no resurrection from the dead? Some people were denying the resurrection from the dead. What is Paul's answer to every single one of the problems at Corinth? Christ and him crucified. It all goes back to Christ and him crucified. It goes back to the gospel. If you know the gospel and if you apply it, there's no problems. And this, we're in a series right now. I've done a lesson on man, uh, God, man, and sin. And then we did a lesson on the gospel in the Old Testament. And now I want to look at the gospel in the New Testament. Really, we're going to look at this chapter, which is uh, 58 verses. We're not going to read all of those. I want to really look at two uh, points of this argument about the resurrection from the dead, and then I want to look at his conclusion. So, Paul begins on a new subject. He says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which is preached, that which the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which you were also, you were also saved, in, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that's the text that we're going to be looking at this morning. Please pray with me before we begin. Great God in heaven, uh, we come to you with humble hearts, bowing our heads, hopefully not just in body, but also in spirit. All of us in this room who are ready to receive your word, we ask that we are accepting of it and that we are willing to change our lives upon the basis of your word. We thank you so much for this church and this community and this family. We ask that you help us understand what the, new, what the gospel is here in 1 Corinthians 15. We pray this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. The gospel is that because Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of sins and he was raised, we must uh, be steadfast immovable, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Obviously, the, the end part of uh, the message today is, is that we, knowing the gospel, ought to produce in us a different sort of life. Uh, again, as I said, 1 Corinthians 15 is an argument. It's one big argument about that there is a resurrection. But at the end, and if you could please turn your Bibles there, he says in verse 58, the last verse, and this is, a, I would say, an appropriate chapter division. Uh, because in chapter 16, verse 1, he says, Now concerning the collection, and he goes off into a different one. The, the end of this argument in chapter 15 is, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And that's the conclusion that we'll end with as well. But let's begin with the, uh, with the argument. Paul first says the gospel is that Jesus died. He died for sins. And uh, it's going to be hard to go through this. Um, and if you see, what does it say? It says he died in accordance with the scripture. Do you see that? Um, the Old Testament has contained that the Messiah was going to die. And... Um, again, it's very important before you get to the gospel that you know through the Old Testament what is wrong. The big picture of uh, the good news. Again, good news only makes sense within the bigger picture. If anytime you hear something good, it's in the context of something that is bad. Um, like if I... If I were ever to say to Julie, I forgive you, that's almost a rebuke because 
she doesn't know if she's done anything wrong. If I go around telling people, you know, God forgives you, they're like, what have I done wrong? The Old Testament, we have to start with the Old Scripture, Old Testament Scriptures, about God, man, and sin. And we studied that already. And we are grounded in that foundation. That sin is a problem. What is sin caused? Death. He says, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And that's Genesis uh, chapter 2 and verse 17. Sin has caused death to enter the world. What was before sin? What was God's plan? Eternal life. Life with God in the garden. That's the worldview within Scripture. That's what we're trying to get back to. There was no death there. But now that sin has entered, death has come. Um, so die, uh, Christ died for, uh, for our sins according to the Scriptures. And the, and the Scriptures also foretell of Christ. We studied this in our, uh, our class today. The Old Testament foretells about the Messiah coming. Um, when you read uh, Isaiah, Isaiah, the whole the whole book of Isaiah, um, especially 52, 53, um, God is saying, "I am going to bring someone who is going to die for your sins. He is going to suffer for all of mankind." The Scripture tells us that. Jesus Christ died according uh, to the scriptures. And um, again, I hope that uh, this does make sense that um, about the, the, the importance of knowing the Old Testament. And I hope that we, and I suspect that this church, um, I've only you know, been here for five weeks, but that we teach the Old Testament because we aren't going to understand Christ until we understand the Old Testament. Um, even just with, uh, with the sacrifices as we studied two weeks ago. In order for there to be a valid sacrifice, first, the lamb had to be blameless. Second, the lamb had to be killed. Third, the lamb had to be applied to, it had to be identified with the sacrificer. Um, but number four, and we didn't mention it two weeks ago, is that the sacrifice had to be man. The Old Testament only teaches us the scales of justice. It doesn't, it doesn't offer the substitute. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4, I'll read that briefly. The Hebrew writer is very clear that the animal sacrifices did not take away sin. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The Old Testament pointed towards Christ, the Old Scripture, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, so knowing the background, we can enter into to who Christ is and this is why when Jesus' cousin, uh, John the Baptist, what's the first thing that he, sees when, he says when he sees Jesus? 
Behold the Lamb of God. Why is he calling Jesus a sheep? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. If you understand Scripture, that there was a lamb who was going to come, who wasn't going to be blemished, it didn't have any moral flaw, it was going to be killed, was going to be applied to the people, and this lamb of God was going to die for the sins of the world. Um, that Christ died, that's point number one, and uh, he died for sins. And let me say that It doesn't stop here. Many times we think the gospel is just about salvation. Once I get my sins forgiven, I'm done. Um, studying a little bit of church history, that's where Luther, that's Luther's big idea, is justification by faith. It's all about getting your sins forgiven. I believe Calvin, John Calvin, um, though I don't support their theology in every tenet, um, as I would rarely do any people um, outside of Scripture. John Calvin, his, his idea was more balanced, I would say, and he understood the gospel being about union with Christ and that it's not just about getting your sins forgiven, but it's also about living after Jesus Christ and following his example. Um, the, the Bible doesn't end here. The, the gospel, it's not just about Jesus dying for sins. There's much more. There's much more to being saved. It is, it's that he arose. It's that there is, there's rest again with God. Um, and if you could read verse 4. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So... Um, how do we know he was raised? Obviously, this is the big problem in the Corinthian church. Um, some people were saying that there were uh, that that there was no resurrection from the dead. And uh, let me also say too, I'm not sure if there's any in this church building today that doesn't believe that there's a resurrection from the dead. I would assume that we all believe that. But there are some of us who perhaps don't believe it like we should, and I'm included, that believing in the resurrection must change everything about us. Um, it changes how we, how we function in life, and this will get more clarified more at the end of the sermon. Um, but who we are, uh, or, or where we're going as far as life after this, if there really is a resurrection, it changes how we live today. Amen. And um, that Jesus Christ rose. So he first gives evidence. He first gives a whole line of evidence. Really verse 5 to verse 11 is Paul trying to say, hey, 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 this is a real thing. So let's read. He says, and he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. After he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. And he appeared to James, when, when, uh, then to all the apostles. And, at la and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. 
For I am least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But the grace of God, I, by, by, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Not yet I, but the grace of God within me, with me. Whether it was I or they, so we preach, so you believe. So. Jesus arose, first off. We need to get that fact concrete. He arose to 500. He also he appeared to the 12. He also appeared to Paul and James, the brother of Jesus, who actually converted, who never believed Jesus while he was living. He converted because he believed he saw the risen Christ. So it's fact. But now what does this mean? about Jesus rising from the dead. Paul says he is the first fruits. Um, and this is, this is important. Because if the, the argument is, if this was true of Jesus, what does this mean also that it's true of, of you? Let's read verse 20 to... 23. Uh, but now Christ but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits among those who are asleep. For since by man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are in Christ's at his coming. Christ is the first fruits. And what does the fight first fruits mean? One, it means that the harvest is not here. But it's kind of a pledge that the that the harvest is coming. Um, Julie and I, we were in Romania for a year and a half. Or she was there for a year. I was there for two years. Julie really likes watermelon. Uh, Julie, we were always excited in the spring when we start seeing watermelon at the piazza. That's kind of their market square. And what do you do when you start seeing the first watermelon, which is quite expensive? I mean, I'm sure it was maybe like six lei, which is about a dollar uh, and a half per kilogram. It's, it's really expensive, but, but you see it. And what does that mean? More is coming. There's something more. It's the first fruits. And that shows if Christ has raised from the dead, what does it mean about you? It's not just about saving yourself from your sins, but it's about eternal life with God, what was, hap what was supposed to happen in paradise. <clears throat> That's the gospel, that we are saved by his death. He has died for our sins, but he also rose again. That feeling that you have to be eternal, that feeling that you have, that, that earnest desire that, that you won't die, that time won't end. I mean, that was one of the hardest times with Julie when we were uh, engaged, and I, we, I saw her 
for two weeks during Christmas uh, break. It was just painful because you knew it was going to end. And I'm sure you felt that before. This is everlasting life. And what we're experiencing now is just a little taste. We will one day pass away, but what is it? Paul says we will not all sleep. He's relativizing death. Sleep. What do you do after sleep? You wake up. That's all it is for us, us Christians. We're just going to sleep because there is eternal life. How do we know that? That is the gospel that Christ has raised from the dead. So I want to conclude where uh, Paul concludes. And again, chapter 15 is all about the resurrection. Paul makes some other arguments, but I'm not going to go into those today. But he says in chapter 58, Therefore, because Christ was crucified, because Christ was raised from the dead, therefore, my beloved brethren, my family, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Again, Jesus' resurrection is a fact. And... This is also something that makes Christianity unique. Uh, Christianity is a timely event. Christianity, I should rather say, is based on a time, uh, uh, is a timely religion. In, re- in Christianity, we don't just talk about God loves you or, or something outside of time. Be a good person. Um, be good to people. Christianity is based on a fact, on an event, that if you were to falsify, everything is destroyed. If you don't believe the resurrection, Christianity is false. Your faith is vain. We base our faith on something that happened. And because it happened, everything is different. That's really what news is. News is Ronald Reagan is president. Okay, something was different before. Now that this has happened, this is going to be different. Christ was raised from the dead. No longer is death victor. No longer does death have sting. We live eternally. And because of that, we live differently. And that's where I want to conclude the sermon. Uh, I want... Christ is coming back and we need to be prepared. We need to work together as a church. I'm excited for Wednesday. We're going to get together and write some cards for the upcoming um, meeting. If you have a desire to help work, you know, to be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of God, let one of the men here know that you have a desire to work. And there are many things that we need to be uh preparing as we start um, an outreach and, and, and talking to others about the gospel. There are many opportunities for you to serve. And I want to say that there's good reason to serve. What's the reason?
that Christ died for your sins and that he was risen and that that's fact and because of it everything's different he's king and we death will no longer have sting if uh, if you're not a Christian um, you ought to become a Christian I guess simply what do they say uh, died uh, I actually don't know how it says, die, die once, live twice, or die twice, live once. No, I don't think that's how it is. But um, if, you, if you are re- reborn, if you go into the waters of baptism, that is your second death, and you will no longer face the final death. But if you don't, The death that is due to you, you will take. And Christ will not be your substitute. But if you are a Christian and you would like prayers of the saints, uh, we would love to, uh, we'd love to pray for you and, and help you in any way we can. Um, whatever your desire is, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.